Welcome to TLC The Light Conversations, Series 2, Emerge and Evolve. This is a series of well-being and creativity, interviews, inspiration, tools, and tips for the post-pandemic evolution. Series 1 was made during the first national lockdown of 2020, and it now feels like the right time to dive back in and hear from artists, healers, therapists, and coaches on how they're making the most of this process of reintegration after a very strange year of global isolation and lockdowns. My guest today is writer, actor, singer, Erin Hunter. Welcome, Erin. I caught her one-woman show recently at the Brighton Fringe when I was invited along by my actress friend, Zanna Hodson-Crow. It was such a thrill to finally get back to the theater and even more pleasant to have the semi-open air experience. I remember seeing Erin warming up backstage and we had this little smile and I literally got goosebumps realizing I've been so incredibly culture starved this year. I had been reviewing the Brighton Fringe shows in the past for the BBC radio as well as the um, Culture Kitchen podcast with Karen Kemp and a year of no theater, no cinema, no live shows, no uh, communal experiences, just um, just left me feeling very kind of empty. And, and I realize it, it, theater is food for the soul. Um, so it was even more exciting to see this show. And I was literally blown away by Erin and could not stop laughing. I kept telling people afterwards, it was such an LOL experience. Um, and I was really impressed by her impressions, impersonations, and the kooky little ukulele songs. So I am delighted to have Erin here on the show in person with me today to discuss her creative process, her writing, sometimes as a form of therapy perhaps, and her adventures with surfing the Holy Land. Welcome, Erin. Welcome to TLC, The Light Conversations. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. It's so good. If you could see Erin right now, she's holding a lovely Hi. ukulele yes. who uh, I imagine has been a longtime friend for you. Would yeah. you? Oh, oh, completely. I just thought I will um, just tune it to make sure that it's good to go in case we want to... Oh, that, that's way out of tune. My, my daughter loves watching me tune my ukulele and watch little bars <laughs> my phone get, you know, get into the green zone um yeah so I, I actually learned to play the ukulele as a surprise for my husband when we got married <laughs> and I would stay up late at night and I chose like the hardest song possible oh to learn which um now I know I should have chosen something very easy chords but I chose <laughs> song the luckiest by ben folds um as uh as our song 
Macy's stay up late at night. Practicing <laughs> it. Oh my gosh, that's so cute. Was that your song? Is that why you chose that was it? Our song. Are you able to talk and tune at the same time? Um, sometimes, not always. Okay. <laughs> well, you go. just let me know if you want me to. You know, it's like driving and talking. I just, I can't do it. There we go. It's in tune. It is fantastic. So, so the ukulele came into your life with your marriage, and I guess learning a, a hard song means that you know you instantly got really good at it. Um, you could. Did you start like making up your own songs after that? Yeah. Well, um, I I was initially inspired by. So I, I one of my many uh, freelancer jobs as an actor is. Um, working for a theater company that brings what well, used to pre-pandemic bring theater into care homes and everyone in the team all the other actors they all play the ukulele so I had FOMO about it um, uh, so, so I thought oh that sounds like a really lovely instrument to learn to play and then it was simultaneously when I was engaged and so I thought oh I'll learn, learn um, a song on my ukulele and then when I got pregnant and realized that um, acting work might draw, uh, dry up as my bump grew. I, I wrote a couple songs about pregnancy. Uh, oh my gosh. That's hilarious. <laughs> One was, um, pregnancy is so sci-fi. Um, cause you basically do have a parasite growing inside. Oh my God. Can, can you do one, one or two lines from that? Do you remember, do you remember that? Is that putting you on the spot? Well enough, but the other one was, what if my baby, well, is this a PG? Do I have to send, is this, um, um, you you can say whatever you okay. want. You can say whatever you want. That's the joy of podcasts. We are uncensored. I mean, the F word gets beeped if you say that on the BBC, for example. So you just say fudge or something if you want to say uh-huh. F. <laughs> but actually, you don't need to. I had one guest who was like really irritated when I told her not to say the F word. And, um, and she was like, but this is, a, you know, we can do whatever we want here. And uh, you can actually say whatever you want. All right. Because my other song was, uh, what if my baby's an asshole? <laughs> um, which were definitely worries that I had when right? I was pregnant. Like, yeah. what if this child turns out to be horrible and find some strange genes that you don't even know exist that are like from your great, 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 great something uncle who was horrible. <laughs> I love that you turn concerns and worries into songs yeah it's a way of exercising my neuroses I think oh my god that's beautiful (laughs) that's beautiful and actually that is probably quite inspiring for people listening too like if you're worried about something write a song about it and and then do you feel lighter like it's it's not your worry anymore it's out there yeah 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 exactly exactly I love that um so uh let's backtrack a little bit okay. we'll start with the beginning like childhood early adulthood um where did you grow up and when did you start singing and acting so I, I grew up uh it was it was it was uh meant to be because I grew up in Los Angeles uh my actually my great-grandmother was a um screenwriter and mm-hmm. left my, grand, my poor grandfather and his um, his brother to go pursue a screenwriting career in Hollywood. Left them in Ohio, and nice. ended up being a publicist um, for uh, in for one of the studios. And so we have all these like really old frame photos on my parents' walls of like her sitting next to Louis B. Mayer, the head of MGM, and photos of my grandfather with Laurel and Hardy. So it's in the blood. Um, yeah. And my mother is also an actress and um and and my sister. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. So what's it like at home over around the dinner table? It's, um, animated. It's, it's very animated, very <laughs> emotional. And my dad is the only sane one. He's, um, he's the only one with a, a normal job. The rock, <laughs> the rock, the rock. Yeah. Of the oh, that um, must've been so fun though. Growing up with actors around you. Like, yeah. So, it, uh, and I, as a kid, I went out on auditions and yeah. I did a, a, a commercial and, um, and so did my sister also. And, um, but stepped away from it for a bit cause I just got sick of being dragged around town by my, my mother <laughs> to commercial auditions mm-hmm. with all these like tiger moms preening their little five-year-olds, putting makeup on them and bleaching their hair and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, I guess at that point, is that what brought you to London? Yeah. Eventually? So, so um, I had I I never left home until I was twenty twenty one. So I went to so I grew up in LA and then went to UCLA to study theater, uh, and I'd always wanted to go to New York and that didn't work out. And uh, then decided I wanted to do a study year abroad because I just like I'm been in California my entire life. I lived 20 minutes from my parents' house. (laughs) And so ended up at Trinity College in Dublin. Oh, fantastic. My mom went there. So did my brother. Oh, it's, 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 uh, it feels partly like my spiritual home because my name's Aaron and which is a bastardization of, (laughs) of uh, an actual Irish word. It actually means Irish. Does it? But the only place you can find Aaron spelled E-R-I-N in Ireland is on packets of um, instant soup. <laughs> so it was quite a come down. <laughs> um, but that, that uh, it sort of totally opened my eyes that I could go and live somewhere else, you know, that I'd go see Europe. And so when I finished UCLA, I was determined to go back to Europe. And, and also, I think being in LA where every everything is under the shadow of Hollywood and everything is so glossy and there are as many gyms in Los Angeles as there are pubs in the yeah. UK so I for me that that didn't resonate as an artist because I theater has always been sort of where my heart is and to go and train in the place where Shakespeare lived and you know it I feel like it has a there's a much more respect um, and such a, a beautiful tradition, ancient tradition in this country for theater. And so when I finished UCLA, I, I went jumped straight on the plane and went to Lambda, the London Academy for Music and Dramatic Arts. Amazing. To your course. And, and was that a bit like therapy, doing a, a two-year drama course? It must be such a journey oh into yourself, into the depths of yeah. all that material that you've got in there. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, it, it, it was one of the best times of my life because it's the only time in your life when you're handed these pearls of roles and, you know, like play, I remember I played the lead in a, um, actually an American play by a playwright called Lanford Wilson called A Bomb in Gilead. And, uh, you know, you got to meet such interesting directors. So they just brought in like the best of the best and did everything from clowning to stage combat to accent work. And, and it was just such a, yeah, sort of a feast for the soul. I can imagine. What was your favorite, like, the, the thing that stood out the most for you from your time there? Oh, well, 
funnily enough, it was something we did at the very beginning, um, where this sort of, um, sort of, uh, uh, a man who reminded me partly of David Attenborough, partly of Santa Claus, um, who's this <laughs> amazing teacher. He was from the North and I won't try to, I won't butcher a Northern accent, um, <laughs> named Colin. And he made us, um, do these character studies where we had to pretend we were in like a really old phone booth and that we were going to leave a two minute message for someone and you to create a character and their world and the reason why they were calling this particular person. And we had to pretend to walk into the phone booth and, and put in our, I don't know, it was like 50 P or something and then leave a two minute message and he would cut us off at two minutes. But we did that each did that five or six times. And we had to, um, and I, and I, I didn't, I surprised myself with the, variety of characters, wild and quirky and strange characters that, that I came up amazing, with. Amazing. <laughs> amazing. I, I, I guess it's, it's so fascinating, like the process of acting and, and to me, I, I, when I hear you describe that, I feel like it is probably like two years of personal therapy in like self-awareness because in order to act and to become these other characters, you have to be so aware. And that's something that also struck me when I saw you performing. Like every detail of your performance seemed like incredibly considered and also really natural. So is that part of the craft? The craft. De- definitely. <laughs> definitely, 100%. The amount of time you spend in the rehearsal room and fine-tuning and, you know, and that, that's the thing about I find the creative process is that it sort of never stops. And since now that I'm writing a lot of my own work, it means that I can just carry on adjusting for for each and every performance or at each and every stage. I, I once had a, a director say to me, I love cleaning my kitchen because it starts and then it finishes and then it's clean and you've done it and it's done. Whereas with the creative process, it just keeps going if you want it to. Right? Constant work in progress. Mm. Oh, my goodness. So I've been Googling you and and doing my research (laughs) and stumbling across quite a lot of great content on the Internet from uh, the black and white retro web series, which I loved, called A Quick Fortune, um, to the comedy duo that seems to have grown out of that, mm-hmm. Hunt the Vegan. 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 Hunt the Vegan. <laughs> vegan. Um, so um, I can see that you've got the same creative partner for both of these shows. Um, let's start with um, the topic of finding your creative partner. Like this is almost like a creative soulmate, like the, the ideal. Everyone's looking for their perfect collaborators. How did you find each other and how did you create this bond that has lasted through several productions well I it was it was something I was just like you search for your your you know the, your partner in love um that that for me that's been squared away for quite some time now but I always remember having this yearning to have someone to make work with because you know especially when you're writing it can be a very lonely uh process um and you know, there were theater companies who I worked with here and there. And, and it, at that stage, it never quite clicked in the way I wanted to, or I didn't have enough ownership, Mm. um, as an actor. That's, that's always been a, a, um, the rub for me is, is not having enough ownership over the creative process, which is what 
um, pushed me, moved me towards writing. And I, as uh, one, of, one of my other many day jobs was um, uh, when I was fresh out of drama school was entertaining at a very posh family members club at kids parties. Uh, and uh, James Gavigan, my, um, my comedy partner and writing partner, uh, he was also uh, an entertainer there. So we, we were pirates and princesses and dragons and knights and, and fairies. Uh, and, and, um, we lived near each other. So we would take the train home and, um, just talk about life, but also about things that we wanted to, to make, um, separately. And then we both realized that we both were those, that type of actor who didn't just want to sit around waiting for your agent to call, that we wanted to make things ourselves and create opportunities. And I floated the idea to him uh, that I really loved the screwball comedies of the 1930s and 40s. It was my favorite type of cinema, um, seeing these sort of, quote-unquote, dizzy dames, these really strong women, way before you had strong women in cinema um, in the sort of more modern day. Uh, and he said, oh, what a, okay, why don't, we, why don't we do something? I'm like, okay. <laughs> All right, fine. And it was, I remember at the very beginning, it was a little awkward as we found how we, how to work together. And I've, I know uh, other writing duos who will write separately. They will, someone will write a draft and they send it to the other person. The other person takes a pass at that draft and then they send it back and so on and so forth. And we've never done that. We, we never write separately. We always have to be in the conversation together. And that's also part of the fun of it um, because we really riff off each other. Yeah. So he'll say, ooh, how about this? And I'll say, ooh, maybe if we just did that way and swap this bit around. And then we then our, our, um, our marker, our sort of markers are if we're both hysterically laughing, it goes in. And if, if the other or if someone has no idea what the other one's going on about, then it's out. Oh, my gosh. That's brilliant. What a great like to find that and create material together means you're you're essentially you're not working anymore. You're just having you're having fun yeah. and producing work. And I noticed there were quite a few ukulele songs that came up in the shows as well. Yes. So. I, was like, I was like, James, I'd just like to maybe put a ukulele song in here. That's okay. Hope you don't mind. Yeah. What was the one? Was there only, no, there were quite a few, weren't there? In A Quick Fortune? There were. There was, um, so we had our theme tune um, was a ukulele song. Yeah. Um, which we actually ended up having a, a wonderful ukulele um, artist and cabaret artist, um, Tricity Vogue. She ended up oh. singing and doing the, doing the, um, doing that yeah. but we had in one of the episodes which was about a, a radio competition for guacamole <laughs> um we we wrote a i wrote a song about guacamole if you're it, listening and you want to enter the radio three. competition <laughs> i wonder what it fortunes. sounds like <laughs> smush, smush. Um, and so it was was what was the song in that episode it was called holy moly it's guacamole <laughs> I love that intentionally terrible mm. song. <laughs> um, um, and then hunt the Ve- the hunt the vegan uh, hunt the vegan came because your partner's creative your partner's name is, is James Gavigan. James Gavigan. And so, uh, what's the premise for that one? Um, yeah. So so we when we did our our web series, which yeah. was like 
you know, like giving birth to a baby, you know, it took us almost a year of a our quick lives. Fortune. A quick fortune. I mean, fortune. the art direction, the set design, everything is spot on. It reminds me straight out of like Charlie Chaplin's hard times, you know, like it, it looks. Yeah. Yeah. We, looks we, it, good. Was, it was, it was labor of love uh, yeah. and everyone who was involved also. And your acting style in that is exactly like the way they act and the mid-atlantic accent which i love it's like auntie auntie mame kind of or um gray gardens um catherine hepburn was sort of my can you do that a bit can can we talk in the mid-atlantic really they are well what are we going to come on let's go out there and have some fun are we going to go play some golf how about a cocktail afterwards i'll take a martini (laughs) (laughs) i love that accent so so much much. i wish people talk like that now yeah I know, right? I, well, sometimes I, I think I slip into it. It's that like living in England for yes. so long and being like, when I go yes. back to the West Coast and they're like, you sound very British. And I'm like, no, 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 I don't. It's only when I'm back here that it sounds yes. like that. I've been um, accused occasionally of having a Madonna. Accent. I know, right? It's the Madonna. And it's like, no, no, it just happens when you spend yeah. enough time in the UK, right? Yeah. Exactly. Um, but uh, how much time do you spend writing? Do you spend a lot of time writing? You're creating a lot of content. It's fantastic. Yes. Well, I, I did. There was sort of, it comes in swings and roundabouts. Um, so we, I think I, since there was like two years where I was basically solidly writing between Surfing the Holy Land, which um, was an intense period of probably four to five months of, of writing it off and on. In Tel Aviv. In Tel Aviv and then in yeah. London. And um, and then James and I also wrote a TV pilot called Judged about a once perfect mommy influencer who winds up in court-ordered parenting classes. Oh, my gosh. Um, which is sounds, a real thing. It's yeah. traffic school for parents. Oh, my God. Is, Every parent's worst nightmare. Yeah. And so <laughs> we, we, we were – and that was – we worked on that all the way through the pandemic. That was sort of – kept us both going wow. and have you completed that <laughs> yeah so that's done oh. so that's sort of out being, going, going oh my god can I read it yes, can I read it can. there yeah. bad mama yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh every parent's yeah. worst nightmare but I can imagine there's so much comedy potential in that and just trying to be a good mom yes. yeah well yeah wanting to be a good mom yeah yeah, yeah exactly. oh my gosh so so is it like you get an idea and then you go down the rabbit hole of it's a discipline isn't it the writing like is it every day or let's talk a bit about your process once you get the idea yeah so I uh, sometimes the the gem of the idea it takes a while to to find it so like when I was um uh my time so I spent a year and a half in Tel Aviv and bemoaned the fact that I didn't think I'd be able to act at all because I barely speak any Hebrew and and I told my I said to my husband I was like well I'm going to write a one-woman show it's been on my bucket list so that's what I'm going to do and amazing but I didn't know what it was going to be about and so I started I decided at first I'll write about motherhood because that's new and and for me and uh and you know I could find an interesting angle and kept chipping away at like I would ha- have sort of you know uh like a document on my computer for it and would add ideas and it just wasn't flowing and it just wasn't working for me and it didn't feel original or new or didn't excite me and um, meanwhile, I'm sort of soaking in 
the wild and crazy things that are happening in to me in Tel Aviv, like even just sitting in a cafe writing and there's these tiny narrow little streets and a giant lorry will come come down to the end of the street, create a line of traffic two miles long. And because they're all Israeli, they all honk. They sit on their horns with both arms. And then a bunch of them will get out of the car, get out of their cars, go talk to the lorry driver and shout at him and then try help him try to navigate his way around the corner. Um, And so I just started taking notes of all these strange and fun and surreal things that happened meanwhile while learning to surf and by writing every day I just an idea here an idea there about the interesting things that were happening to us and culture and culture clashes and the conflict a little bit and um, stuff like that that eventually it sort of I don't know the cream rose to the top I sort of suddenly realized when did you realize like that you had you were onto something? Well, I was. I have to credit my sister with because she is a uh, she's a TV writer, and I said it's just not working with the with um, writing about motherhood. And I, I mean, it is interesting all this stuff that's happening. And she's like, well, I'd always said, and this is uh, this is part of my show. I I had always said to when we moved to Israel. I never thought I would end up being a British Jew living in Israel because <laughs> having been born, um, you know, Christian and being from California and then ending up in the UK and then getting my British citizenship. And then all of a sudden I'm living in Israel as a British Jew. I was like, how did I end up here? And then I learned to surf and, and it just seemed like it was just such, it, it was an, became a no brainer of like, this is just such an unusual story. I felt I needed to tell that story because it was, it, yeah, it was just some, something inside me was shouting, you need to tell the story. I love that. When the work, sh- like the material tells you what yeah. to do, that's when you know yeah. that you're in the right direction. Yeah. Like you're just, you're, you're journaling, you're documenting, and then suddenly it shows you, hello. Here, here I am. You need to yeah. do this and do it. You did, and you play all the characters <laughs> yes. in this, and that must have been so much fun for you, like uh, to I mean, dive that, into playing all the characters. And I think that's where my, always my starting point, um, because I'm an actor, is that I find characters the most interesting, and it goes harkens back to the phone booth exercise with Colin Cook (laughs) in the first few weeks of drama school about character creation. And I, the main, the one thing, the thing that I loved most was meeting these odd and interesting people and then, Oh my gosh, they would make a great character. They need to be in my show. I I met, I went to get our, um, garage I would I guess I should say garage but garage door opener fixed and this very unusual woman sort of fading beauty kind of um Blanche Dubois type but Israeli wearing cut off jean shorts um and really long sort of bleached hair um was at the at the counter and I was paying for um for to get the new garage door opener and she's like would you like to uh, buy my cd it's flute music you will love it I, I take check. You have a check. I'm like, um, I don't. 
<laughs> Sorry, no, I, I don't have a. I don't Just here to get anymore. the garage door fixed. <laughs> I love that. That's so random. Yeah. And she's like, I, and she, you think you love it. And it was a picture of her. It was on a CD, and she was um, wearing like a, a leopard print bikini in a ju- in a jungle with a snake <laughs> around her neck playing the flute. <laughs> and that. Who is this oh woman? Gosh. I love you, and you need to be on my plane. And is she the lady? She's one of the characters. She's one of the characters. The, 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 I can't remember the name oh, of her the character. Name, uh, I know. I know which character. Her um, name is uh, Shiraz. 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 Yeah, that's it. Can, let's talk. She's a. I'm Shiraz. I'm a tanned Botox Israeli woman. I'm 46, going on 16. <laughs> um, and so who else do we have like can we just pop through yes, a couple of those characters sure. in okay, that so. <laughs> who's there's this, the surfboard shaper who becomes your best friend yes Leora who again is based on um, a friend of mine in Tel Aviv and so Leora in a nutshell Leora is a hi Leora <laughs> what's up I'm Leora I'm half Israeli half American raised on Long Island uh, I've got 10,000 Twitter followers and at that point there would be a sound effect <laughs> 1001. <laughs> ah, I love that. I love that. Okay, and who else do we have? We have your surf instructor. Surf instructor, the sexy Hi, surf Uri. instructor. Uh, I'm Udi. I'm a 22 year old surfer. And when I finally sell my startup to Google, I'm going to travel the world chasing waves and uh, finally move out to my parents' house. <laughs> right isn't that like there's a story where she goes back to his house and then the mom comes like mom, to, to serve breakfast yes or, she yeah. walks in and with coffee and cake to her Udi's <laughs> new friend that's so good and I mean this is like I've seen your play once and I feel like I know all these characters so that's like you know it really really resonated right. like I'm talking to you about these people as if they're my friends too and, that's, <laughs> and that reminded me of like the the joy of the creative process, theater, writing, film, cin- you know, like being completely transported with the story. Like there I was with you in Tel Aviv and uh, yeah, kudos to you. I mean, that that is so inspiring for actors to hear you talking about like just taking the reins and writing your own material because like how was that for you at first? Was it like I'm going to do this and I'm determined or was it like uncomfortable and scary Yes, both. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have a line in my play about surfing, but all the surf lessons are also life lessons. And she's too, she's scared um, because she's um, she's sur- about to surf much bigger waves than she's comfortable with. And and when you learn to surf when you're not a teenager, you have a lot of emotional baggage that comes with you. So you can't just leap up on a board and surf down a five foot wave, no problem. You think you might die. So um, she says her surf teacher seems to get rid of this. You need to, we need to get rid of this fear factor. You're not surfing on cement; it is just water. And um, so she says, so I feel the fear and do it anyway. And I think that is sort of my motto for life is feel the fear and do it anyway, because that's what will make you stronger. And I, it was, I am now 40 and I will say that to help all those women out there who are artists to go and make your art and it's never too late. Um, and I, it was on my bucket list and it terrified me. The idea of not having James, my writing partner with me or a playwright, uh, or, you know, other actors on stage. So 
I mean, I did get, I did make sure to get support along the way through the writing process. I have a few, James and a few other people who, my sister, who I rely on to give me, you know, good creative advice. And, um, and I had a director, of course, but I remember standing backstage the first, the first time I performed it, the first time I'd been about to step on stage, having written the show being, and starring in it and being the only one on stage. And I was excited, but terrified. My heart was going like, you know, you, you can feel it, you know, thumping all through your body. And I, I did say to myself, am I going to remember all these words? Am I going to be able to get through? What happens if I mess up? I was particularly terrified of messing up my ukulele songs because that's a newer um, skill for me. But acting, I can act my way out of a paperback. I can blag my way out of a you know, of a missed line, but you cannot get round a wrong chord. The audience hears that. Yeah, <laughs> but that that's part of the charm of mm. ukulele, isn't it? It sounds good even when it's... Even when it's flat. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I'd love to... I think this might be a good time to get into one of those songs. What do you think? Can yes. we hear one of the songs? Yes. That would be so cool. Absolutely. Since you've got your uke sitting there beside I you. Do. She's and, all tuned up and ready um, Go. And that's thank you for sharing that. That's really good advice for anyone listening. Feel the fear and do it anyway. Yeah. Like, yeah. And yeah. I, 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 and for me now, there's no turning back. Now that I've sort of, it's, it was a watershed moment, and yeah. now I will carry on making my own work. And you know, if work comes to me as an actor, sure, I'll yeah. take it. Also, as a writer, I yeah. mean, I would be very prepared for that. That people are going to. I mean, I, you know, when I saw your show, I, I did go away thinking like. Fleabag meets my crazy ex-girlfriend in Tel Aviv on surfboards. Oh, Something I love it. like that. I'll because take that. <laughs> yeah, do you do, do you know those shows? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like um and I I was like even uh, like the obvious is it being turned into a TV series or a movie? Which one would you prefer? A TV series. Yeah. What do you like about that format? Well, I like that you can live with the characters for a longer a longer journey. I I felt you know, my show is 70 minutes long. A film would be maybe 20 minutes longer. And, you know, there's so much I touched on that I wanted to expand on and explore. So many more questions I wanted to ask. Some other characters I had to cut. Yeah. And I think, you know, in a TV series, you have so much more scope to really go on a beautiful long journey with them. I find it so much more satisfying when you get to the end of a series and you're like, wow what a ride I've been on and you've lived with them. If you did a TV series, you would want to act in it. Oh, yes. Right? (laughs) Oh, yes. And would you like, would you, in terms of visualizing it, would you like tell the stories as you do in your play, but then perhaps like you're impersonating someone and then it like cuts to somebody else playing, like so you're beginning your impersonation of that person and then it like turns into them? Oh, I hadn't thought of it that I was way. Like, I think I, that's, that's right because really then it's like your story and you're impersonating everyone, but like, and then we get yeah. into them. Like, like, sorry, what's her name? The leopard print lady. Oh, oh yes, like um, uh, Shiraz. 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 So you're like telling your story about Shiraz, and then it's like, yeah, we're there and we see her, and then back to you because like, like in a way, your impersonations are so good. It's like, how does that translate into yes. film or TV? It's got to be 
somehow morphing. I don't, there's a, there's a quite cool, um, Tony Collette is an actress who I love. Oh, I love she did her. this like obscure show called, what's it called? States of Tori, where she played all these different characters, but it was about mental health and she literally had multiple personalities and she was morphing into them. Definitely worth checking out. Um, I think it's called States of Tori or something like that. And, but with your situation, it's more like, it's very much her story her diary and how do we go on her journey yeah keeping your amazing impersonations because that's like such a strength that you've got as an actor but then also make it cinematic and filmic so that's more food for thought but I was you know myself mulling over like how would you do this if you turned it into a tv show um but I agree like with Netflix that's kind of a no-brainer hello Netflix Netflix. (laughs) Amazon (laughs) Amazon Prime who else is making who else is making yes hello (laughs) mark my words it's on its way girl um but so you basically started with a ton of material that's being shaped up as a book and you took lots of that material out and turned it into a play and since you've got the book and all that extra material it's it's really not far from being developed into a tv series yeah well I I had that comment constantly across because I I, amazingly pre-lockdown I managed to get I did a mini global tour which again surprised me that I that I I was like I'm how am I going to do this but somehow I can now say I performed it in London Los Angeles Tel Aviv. Oh my God, it's amazing. And actually, I wanted to say the theme of this show is emerge and you have emerged from this pandemic with a bang. Like, was it just like, okay, incubating for a year and just hit the boards? Well, it was, the show is that one of the main themes is about rebirth (laughs) and transformation. And um, I was so excited with the momentum I had before the pandemic hit and I was going to do Edinburgh and Brighton Fringe and I was preparing a tour and then wham, we got, you know, everything came to a grinding halt and I was like, I'm going to, I'll do some live streams. So I performed it a couple times in my living room with a Canadian uh, theater company called this, uh, I think it was called the social distance festival. Oh, cool. And, um, it's just not the same. No. <laughs> uh, and so I, I love theater and there's something, a magic that you just can't capture in any other art form or media. Um, And I was dying to get back on stage. So as soon as we were allowed, in fact, in September, between lockdowns, I did a show in Brighton. That's right. I wanted to come and see that one, but I was, I was, it was, I was like, are we, can we do this? Can we do this? And you did it. Yeah. In the pouring rain. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. (laughs) On the beach. So I had the sound of the rain and the wave. It was magical performing right next to the sea. For a story about surfing. Yeah. Yeah. I wore my winter wetsuit the entire time because it was (laughs) so cold. I was so glad that you came back to do it though, this, this time around for the fringe. Cause yeah, I mean, it was when you see something that's that good, it stays with you. Yeah. So I guess now I, we're coming near to the end of our time, sadly, together for this episode. So perhaps you can wrap it up with one of your song. with one of your yeah. songs. I'd say before you play the song, is there anything you want people to know about you that we haven't discussed? Ooh. Um, Other than book 
play EP songs, right? The songs are coming out on Spotify. The songs from this. And what about, like, why not get all your songs that you've ever recorded from all your shows? Yes, yes, I have a few more. My baby's an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, comedy uke. It's a genre. Yes. I mean, I love Amanda Palmer. She's one of my favorite singer songwriters, and she's a ukuleleist. Is that a thing? Ukuleleist? So, yeah, anything you want people to know about you that we haven't covered? Or anything you want to tell people as they emerge out yeah. of the pandemic, especially creatives? Who well, are- I, I'd say, like, if you're a creative, I think to find – the show is also about finding your inner chutzpah. <laughs> and yeah. she finds chutzpah. her inner chutzpah, chutzpah on a surfboard. And to keep you going creatively and artistically, I think, find something. It can just be a hobby that – terrifies you but excites you at the same time and I feel like I wouldn't have written that show had I not decided to learn to surf in my 30s which terrified me but also I found thrilling and it sort of it spills the creative well um and can you just define the word chutzpah for those who don't know yes extreme self-confidence yes (laughs) i love it i love it and on that note you're gonna play it's a song from surfing the holy land what song are you gonna play it's called an orthodox party at ikea awesome okay um i'm just gonna sorry okay i don't know what okay luckily i found Okay, so can you give an intro to the song you're going to sing for us now? Yes, so this song is called An Orthodox Party at Ikea, and it it takes place as the characters in Tel Aviv going to buy furniture with her husband. Awesome. with that stretch fever. You're 
Butler tells me grow a backbone. And then we get to check out where there's an Orthodox party at Ikea. Do they think this is the mall? There are kids throwing Swedish meatballs and they're having a ball at Ikea. <gasps> oh no, I forgot my credit card. Oh fuck. <laughs> That was brilliant. Thank you so much for coming and sharing your talent, sharing a bit about your creative process and uh, how your writing has fed your soul and in turn feeds others. It's been such a pleasure to have you chatting here today. Um, Before we say goodbye, give us some things to check out and anything up and coming or in Uh, the pipelines. This is the plug moment. Oh, fantastic. (laughs) Um, So you can check me out at erinhunter.net and my show at surfingtheholyland.net. I will be performing again in London uh, with a a brand new Jewish Fringe Festival called Seat Seat in October. And I will be touring the show next year uh to all over the uk and um also for any tv film producers out there i am currently writing the treatment for surfing the holy land and my comedy partner and i have a beautiful pilot uh tv pilot judged about a once perfect mommy influencer who ends up in court ordered parenting classes so those are both ready to rock and roll and the tunes coming on spotify yes and the book and the book i look forward to watching the evolution and and love to go to tel aviv with you i would love to oh, be yes. a part of this yes um, i will give you my, I, my best tour <laughs> <laughs> i want to go surf with you in tel aviv yes i will take you to my real surf club. oh my god but I, I can only longboard Oh, don't worry. Can I do that there? Yes, yes, Okay, good, 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 good. Okay, thank you. So you've been listening to TLC, the Light Conversations Series 2, Emerge and Evolve. I'm Jada Del Drago. Thank you for listening.